Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow. You're here with Helen Tarrant and I'm here with Mike Motlock and we're going to talk about depreciation. I know for some of you, you might have seen a previous video of me doing uh, talking generally about how depreciation actually works as a strategy for commercial property. Uh, as in like you should be getting a depreciation report and that you should be um, putting it in as part of your looking at whether, you know, it works for your ROI or whether, you know, whether you're taking because a property has more depreciation benefits, whether you should take a lesser yield or because of that. And now that's very strategy, big picture and very unique to individual circumstances. What we're going to do today is going through the detail with Mike because he loves detail. And because depreciation is all about detail and what you can claim and what you can't claim. So today uh, we've got a couple of scenarios we're going to work through. So it becomes really applicable to you. And of course, different reports of different things. But the main thing is I want to take you through the journey. And that's what Mike's going to do. Take you through the journey of the difference between resi and commercial in terms of depreciation. Take you through the journey of what it is that they look for in a uh, commercial property depreciation and also just generally some some tips or, or in your journey where at what time you should be getting your depreciation report and, and how you should be best utilizing it so very practical hands-on so without much ado hi mike hi how are you doing helen thanks for having me on it's a pleasure <laughs> always great to have you on um so tell us a little bit about yourself yeah, look, I, I always kind of joke saying I wanted to be a, a fighter pilot when I grew up, um, but I became a quantity surveyor. So, you know, like it's it's obviously not it's not exactly that close. You know, you aim for the moon and you hit, I don't know, Liverpool. Um, but I actually do love uh, quantity surveying. So really, um, I'm a, my specialty is construction cost estimating. But of course, there is a whole sort of subset of quantity surveying uh, that's dedicated to the tax depreciation side of things. So it's kind of a hybrid between a construction estimator and, and an accountant in some respects, but we only look at a very small part of the legislation. And uh, I started uh, MCG with a business partner in 2011, and we've been having a lot of fun um, maximising deductions for people ever since. So quantity surveying, for, for those of us out there who actually don't know what that is, tell me what exactly is quantity surveying? Yeah, so if you, you think about sort of the original genus of quantity surveying, it was the bills of quantity. So it was how many individual widgets do we need and what is, is the price? Um, and so if you think about any time that someone might benefit from knowing how much something costs, that's where a quantity surveyor would be in, involved. So if you're thinking about feasibility to do a development or you're a bank lending people uh, money, you want to make sure that their budget is okay, that the money that you're providing comes in milestones based on the works completed to site. So anyone that's that's building or, or developing or, or doing anything with construction, a quantity surveyor can help. And on the tax side of things, it's really just helping the cash flow and maximise the deductions. So um, the deductions that you get for investing in property are the same as, say, personal deductions. If you're a student, 
didn't you claim your textbook? So it just comes off the taxable income. And really, in, in most cases, it's, it's, it's money for jam, right? It's money for nothing. So all investors should be looking into whether they have uh, deductions in their property. Yeah, absolutely, which is why we, we're having this conversation here so that everyone out there knows that, um, uh, that, you know, that it should be part of your journey. Uh, that we have a, a journey for our clients to follow as part of uh, developing and, and, and building their, their wealth through commercial property. And it's all about that return on investment. So, Mike, tell us the difference of um, you know, commercial versus residential. So a lot yeah. of our clients come from the residential side and they're investing for the first time into commercial. So, yeah. yeah. There are some things that are exactly the same. Some things are very, very different. If you think about um, residential versus commercial, some things that are the same is there's two components of depreciation. There is the building structure and all the structural components. So in a house, that might be the timber frame and the concrete slab and the roof. Um, let's say we're looking at a retail premises, it's still going to have maybe brick walls and, a, and an iron or a, or a tile roof. So all of those structural components, there's different cutoff dates for, for whether they qualify that differ between resi and commercial, but that component, that structural component, that's common to commercial and residential. Then you've got the plant and equipment items, which are really kind of like the loose fitting assets. So in a residential property, that would be things like uh, ovens and cooktops and air conditioners and carpets and those sorts of things. In a commercial property, some of those things will be exactly the same, like carpets and like air conditioners, but they have different effective lives. So that's to say the tax office says that, say, carpet in a pub might have a five-year effective life because of the use of that asset being much more than a, uh, I guess, much more demanding use than that would be of a house that has like an eight-year effective life. The, the big difference with commercial and residential I see is that the cutoff dates are different. So depending on the commercial property depends whether um, what the cutoff date is for that original structure. For most commercial, it's 1982, whereas for residential, it's 1987. So you can have a property that's built uh, a little bit further ago and still claim uh, those original deductions. And one of the big standouts is the plant and equipment assets. Not only is there around about 50 times more commercial plant and equipment assets. I mean, you think about commercial entities, they can be farms. So there's all sorts of things like chemical spraying assets, there's trellises for wineries, you know, there's bottling line stuff. You just don't get that in a residential property. And probably the biggest advantage on the plant and equipment side of things is that in, in on the 9th of, of May 2017, the government said you can't claim plant and equipment items for established residential properties anymore. So you either have to buy brand new or put the asset in yourself. That is not the case with commercial property. So that is a, a huge advantage from a deductions point of view. Oh, excellent. So there is some fundamental differences. And I think the best way for me, I've always found with our clients is to, to and our viewers, is to show them an example. So I've given Mike, just before this, um, in preparation for this talk, um, two, two case studies. And these are case studies that we've talked about. So for some of you who have attended our boot camp, you've seen this case studies. Or for some of you who attended our webinars uh, in the evenings, you've seen this case study as well. Now, the reason we chose this two is because they're, they're different. Firstly, they're located in different states. Um, and I guess that's one of the questions we will ask you is like, you know, is there a big difference between if buying in different states? 
Um, and then there one is a strata property and one is a freestanding. So that's often the, the question is raised by, by our viewers. Oh, you know, if I'm buying a strata, should I even get a depreciation report? Um, so, Mike, just what's the difference if someone's buying a strata versus a, a, um, a, um, a freestanding? Should they, if they were buying a strata, be even bothered to get a depreciation report? Yeah, it's a good question, uh, and I want to answer that very quickly and succinctly because it's, impo it's important. The answer is yes. Um, so there's no reason why you shouldn't get a depreciation schedule just because it's a strata title property. Now, you might sort of be easily confused by the fact that, say, if it's freestanding, the insurance you might need to get, whereas if it's strata, the strata title insurance would be sort of pulled together. Depreciation is very, very different. So um, the real difference between a freestanding and a strata title property is your ownership of the common areas. So in commercial, um, we're going to have a look at a, a retail example, but I always like to explain it the easiest way is let's say you've got a strata titled warehouse. So what you're actually getting when you purchase that property is you own the warehouse, but there will normally be a driveway to actually get to that warehouse because there could be 30 of them in that development. There might be automatic gates, there might be lighting, there might be fire booster pumps. So if there's 30 properties in, in that um, strata community, then you, you might have one thirtieth ownership of all of those assets. And it really doesn't matter what sort of assets there are. So in a residential property, you could, you could own a unit in a, a complex of 200 and there might be six lifts worth a million dollars each. Um, so you might own one 200th. One it doesn't work exactly like that. It's not like the number of properties and then it's divided equally because, say, a penthouse would normally have a higher entitlement because it's got more use of the lift. It's got a, a, a greater proportionment of space. But that's a, it's an easy sort of rough idea is to say you own say one thirtieth yeah okay that that makes sense because that's one of the things uh, a lot of our, our clients says well i mean i'm just buying an office space i'm just buying a retail space so there's really no point for me to get um a, a depreciation report um whereas you know all of us all of our clients are buying freestanding going oh yeah yeah stand up the thing let's get a depreciation report so it's good yeah. to clarify that so and this is why i've always said this example so if i can jump on i'm just going to start out with the sort of sharing an example with you um so this is the first one that we have which is a um a little vet clinic um so i'll just share that with you so that you get to see that so everyone else gets to see it um so this is the the vet clinic here and we are just going to go through that oh, i'll make it full screen there you go ah there you go so this is the animal clinic um and um so this is in just outside of newcastle very close to where you are yeah, it's it's not a million miles away. It's probably only 20, 20 minute drive. And I've actually been in this this building before, which is just a, a happy accident. We like happy accidents. So, <laughs> um, clients bought this property. It was a bit over one point one million. Um, it's two residential houses joined together um, into a commercial premise, um, renovated internally. Uh, it's turned into a vet hospital and a vet, um, I guess, a veterinary generally. Um, so there's just some photos so everyone can see what it is. 
and it's got a little parking area at the back um, and then a little kind of shed at the back and they're turning into grooming for it. So full usage, right? Yeah, and a little rabbit as a representation. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, yeah. My son's been asking for about a rabbit. <laughs> so we might be going down the pet road. All <laughs> oh, right. It's a rabbit now, but a dog in three years. <laughs> right. Okay. It's good. It's always good to have a, a, a contingency trial. plan. Yeah, this is a trial pet. <laughs> right. Okay. So here we can see that the aerial view um, of the actual property and how it was built, um, and the um, and that just sort of gives you a bit of a floor plan for everyone else there, just sort of having a look at it. It's um, and right in the middle, you can see it's joined two of the two properties joined together, and then we've got the studio at the back and the building as well. So that's just the layout of it um, for. So that's the EOI form. So, so yeah, so with this property, uh, so tell us what will you be looking for. Take us through the journey that if if I was a client and I said, look, I've just bought this property, right? tell us what I can do with it in mm. the depreciation space. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that I, my brain has just been uh, tuned into um, because you've done this so many times, looked at thousands and thousands of property. It actually ruins um, dinner with my wife because I'm looking at fire detection systems when we're out to, to dinner. But um, where, where I suffer and my wife more importantly suffers, you, you'll be able to gain from. Um, so what I, what I tend to do is, is look firstly to get indications of the age of the property. So we always kind of start with depreciation deductions for the original structure. Is it going to qualify? So in this instance, we're looking to see if the original uh, dwelling or dwellings would be built after 1982. Now, we've got some pretty clear indications, even just on page one. Um, you know, you can see that sort of um, Victorian wrought iron sort of stuff. You can see the, you know, the iron roof and, and just the way that it's built and constructed. You can see a little bit of, um, you know, wear and tear with the, the timber cladding and that sort of thing. So that gives us a bit of an indication that it's not going to be able to, to qualify for original structural components. Um, but the big difference, and, and when you were looking at that aerial map as well, um, I, I sort of look to see are the roofs, the material, is it the same? Is it the same colour? Does, does it look like there's been improvements over the years? Now, we know that this has been renovated and when we're looking inside, we can see that those aren't going to be original tiles. You can see that that's been painted. There's new lighting and there's flooring. And one of the big differences with commercial that I forgot to mention before is, is the different entities. So, for example, you're representing the purchaser of the building, but the vets are their own commercial entity as well. So they will own their own equipment. So the medical equipment and things like that, that's what we would want to clarify. You know, does the, does the person own the animal cages, for example? In this case, I would, I would assume not. But, yeah, really step one is to just have a look to see um, what's been improved to the property. Obviously, it was two and it's been turned into one. And you can actually see that that's a pretty good picture where, where you can actually see the, the concrete sort of hard stand area. Um, it's, it's, it's a newer concrete than the place next door. You can kind of see, you know, the, the, the age of the concrete. So what, what we've been able to see um, on this property is that it's been re-roofed. We can see that there's been some guttering 
replaced. It's been painted um, internal and externally. Um, the rear car parking hard stand has been updated, as I mentioned. Um, there's there's new fencing. Um, the retaining walls have been updated. The, there's a small little um, studio out the back, which I think you're talking about is going to be the boarding area. That, that's been added within the last five years, roughly, according to our research. Um, and it's had an internal renovation to the practice. So, you know, floor tiling, um, reception cabinetry, other fixed cabinets, bathroom update, tiling, electrical plumbing, all those sorts of things. So one of the real, um, I guess, furfies when it comes to depreciation is if the original structure doesn't qualify for deductions, then it's not worthwhile getting a report done. But in this instance, all of those improvements, all of those renovations will uh, attract deductions and fairly significant ones. Um, you know, so we're, we're looking at um, prior capital works, you know, around 200 or 250K um, worth of work. And an easy way to calculate what that would mean from a depreciation point of view is either times it by 2.5% or you can divide it by 40. So if you divide it by 40, you will get the yearly deductions on the structural improvements. And that happens every financial year from the date the works are done through 40 years. So if it was done 10 years ago, you'd still have 30 years worth of claims on that. So the structure is the first. The first thing we look at is, is how old is it? Will the original qualify? And if not, what has been the history of the property? What improvements have been done? And I was able to sort of rattle off a few different things there. Um, then we look to the plant and equipment items, what the actual owner will inherit with that purchase. So we've got things like um, the solar panels. You could see those on the roof. There's about 40 solar panels. So there's a solar power generating system, which is a, it's a tax office category for commercial and residential property. You've got the security systems, the fire extinguishers, the smoke alarms, um, ducted air conditioning, the whole lighting system. There's some vinyl floors, which typically you see in veterinary practices, um, bathroom assets like toilets, exhaust fans, you know, hot water, um, and, and things like the switchboards as well. Um, so, when it comes to plant and equipment, we'd probably estimate around fifty or sixty thousand dollars worth of plant and equipment. So, in this particular property, we'd be looking around fourteen to eighteen thousand dollars worth of tax deductions in the first full financial year. So, for people that aren't terribly familiar with depreciation, that number doesn't go back in your pocket, but it comes off your taxable income. So, if you're um, owning that in a in a structure that has a 30% marginal tax rate, you'll be getting 30% of that 14 to 18 grand in that first financial year. Yeah, yeah. So the way that we sort of work that out is if someone, you know, the, the client, the, the tenant at the moment is paying 70 odd thousand dollars net rent at the moment, um, the, the mortgage on this property, uh, it's an interest only, and my interest only is always across the board to, you know, the purchase price. It's roughly, you know, about $30,000 or so. So you got about a positive cash flow, about 40, about 40,000. The appreciation actually comes off that. Um, so, you know, that's say, you know, 15K comes off that. So you're paying tax on the 25,000 of that. So, um, so really you're, you're sort of saving anywhere between, you know, anywhere from anywhere from someone who will be saving three to anywhere for five to $8,000 in sort of in tax, depending on which entity you hold it in and what tax bracket you end up being in. So, uh, it can be actually quite lucrative and you actually, you know, definitely make back your, um, 
your your report fee in, in one year. Mm. So yeah. And then from a depreciation point of view, I think it's important to notice that you haven't cherry-picked this one because the deductions are are crazy or because it's atypical. I mean, this is a a typical type of property that I I assume is is your sort of commercial property investment stock, and and some do better than others. The second property that we're going to look at is definitely the pick from a depreciation point of view, and we'll we'll cover off the examples. But, you know, it just goes to show that a, a property, I'm not even sure when that would have been constructed. It could have been in the 40s or 50s but you can still see that it's still worthwhile getting a report done even though it's built that long ago. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, time frame wise and I guess roughly price point for if someone wants to get a depreciation report, just taking this as an example, um, yeah. what and when should they be sort of asking you to get that done? Yeah, we, we always encourage people to be getting in touch with us straight away because the main reason is that we don't want people to forget because we've 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 crunched data in the residential space that, that yeah. we've we found we found that the average person that misses out on deductions because they've waited too long and they can't back claim it is missing out on twenty thousand five hundred and thirty seven dollars. And when we when we look at that and we, we extrapolate it across the investor population, we're talking like one hundred and thirty thousand investors that have actually waited so long to get a depreciation schedule that they will miss out on some past claims so it's important to get it done very quickly um, just so you don't forget but but also because things may um, be thrown away uh, in I guess the course of owning that property so if you get a report straight away you get a snapshot of what was there um, yeah. and it's better to look at what was there at the beginning because if you're adding things over time someone like myself doesn't have to physically go and inspect that if you put a new say um, air conditioning system and you'll know the date that it was installed and you'll know the cost and that information can be just directly given to your accountant. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah. So, I mean, so really most of the time um, where we where we like our clients to start the process, you know, we, we have a period of uncondition- conditional and unconditional. During that time, we get some pest and building reports and that they, they sort of, they probably um, need, go to you. So what are some of the things they need? If someone wants to get a report, what do they need to provide you? Yeah, and and the the best time to really organise that is in and around um, settlement. Um, so we don't want to be inspecting things that are, are just still going through um, due diligence. But once you know that it's exchanged and it's settled or it's coming up to settlement and we've got access, that's the right time. But there's not a tremendous amount we really need straight away. We need the address and we need to know who we need to speak to to organise access for our inspection. And then it's just things like the legal purchasing entity name. So if it's in your family trust or a proprietary limited company, we need to know that. We need to know the settlement date because that's really effectively the start date for the report. And we need to know the purchase price, any improvements that you know about that the previous owner has done. Of course, we do our own research, but sometimes there'll be anecdotal advice from the agent to say that it's been completely rewired or there's been some work done that might even be invisible. Um, If you're planning on doing any immediate work to the property, we'll capture that into the report. And that's really uh, about it. It's, you know, there is a little bit of homework, but it's not too arduous. And at the end of the rainbow is hopefully a, a pot of tax deductions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And coming to think about that, that it's really interesting because I'm I'm, I'm about to buy a, a vacant property, <laughs> and we're about to do uh, fit outs and work on it. So yes. um, we'll probably come to you and say, look, can we have a before 
then and after. So, I mean, that's an interesting point. So some of our clients will do refurbishments and that's one of the keys they look for. They're they're not looking for a set and forget like this one. They're looking for something that is basically run down that they're going to fully refurbish out. So how does that work in terms of depreciation? Should they come to you after it's all done or before it's all done? It's always good to just come and ask the question. It depends on on what's being thrown away and what's been done and what sort of the purpose um, was prior. So the tax office in the residential space, they say um, you need to purchase the property with the intention to rent it out as is to be able to claim, say, scrapping deductions based on things that are thrown away. So if you're purchasing a completely vacant property, it's hard to sort of argue that, you know, the assets have kind of run their course or you need to, to upgrade things because it's not being rented out at the maximum amount. Um, so it just kind of depends. I mean, often we can get some photos of the original and that's sufficient. If if what is there when you purchase is is a lot fundamentally lot less than what the end product would be, then it's probably more important that we look at that because where I sort of made that example of the air conditioning system being added, if you're doing a huge fit out, you might know that you're spending a million dollars on it or or a refurb of a million dollars, but you're not necessarily going to have that broken down into the vinyl tiles and the air conditioning and, you know, the switchboards and the cabling and all that sort of stuff. Um, And even if you do, there's an apportionment of labour that we can put over those assets as well, because someone has to design the work, someone has to install the work so we're talking about total installed costs so that can be a different to say a builder breaking it up saying you're getting eight thousand dollars worth of vinyl for example yeah yeah understand understand so yeah so case by case but if you do looking at refurbishments place you know find out reach out to michael actually he the link to his uh, website's below so it'd be part of this uh and also uh, if you wanted to reach out, you can always reach out to us at helentarrant.com and we can put you, give you an introduction as well. So that those are a few ways to connect with Mike after this as well. But to go on to our next one, I wanted to share with you, obviously, we had the one that um, an office space and we come back to the question of um, should we be um, looking at, you know, d- depreciation when we're looking at an office space that is a um, – um, a strata. So, and obviously that question got answered, but this is um, the property in Walker Street in Dandenong. So, this is in Victoria. So, the other one we had was in New South Wales. Is there a difference between different states if they're claiming depreciation or is it more across the board? No, the only real difference is in construction costs. So, there are certain parts of the country where it costs more than other places to build. So, we need to factor that in. So, that's not something that the client would necessarily need to worry about. When it comes to, um, say, depreciation, what what might be called a strata plan in in New South Wales might be called a plan of subdivision in Victoria, for example. But not, fundamentally, there's no real big difference per state from a depreciation point of view. Okay, that's actually quite good. So um, let's just have a look at this property. So this is property is um, rented out as a it's an interesting strata space. It's got a little bit of retail at the front, um, and then it's got the whole floor of of office space above. It's in Dandenong, so it's just um, sort of outside of Melbourne, sort of metro, metro, metro. But it's still part of a suburb, suburb of Melbourne, um, and it's got Anglicare as the tenant. So you know your brand name type tenant in there. Um, so I'm just going to increase that. So just some sort of some photos of the property. So good refurbishments, you know, carpet tiles probably. 
Depends yeah. on what you think, carpet tiles. I look at that and go, carpet tiles. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you can see <laughs> a little bit of the joins there. Yeah, you're um, yeah, you probably look at the fish. I walk through and I go, mm, yeah, okay. How much do you think the um, how much do you think the tenant's paying rent? What do you think the yield is on this property? <laughs> yeah, we never worry about that. Often, property managers will say, oh, by the way, it's renting for X, Y, Z. We throw that information in the bin. It makes no difference to us. But <laughs> yeah. of course, we're we, you and I have got very different jobs to do. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting how dinner conversation like, right? We'll be like, yeah, so I think the refurbishment, I'm like, mm, well, you know, so, you know, well, maybe we can cut this up into two and get and increase the rent over there. You know, what do you think if I put a wall in the middle? <laughs> so your, the, your, your husband's long-suffering as well by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, my husband and my business partner, we, he, he loves resi and he goes through and, and I, I go, well, whatever and um but we're driving past some warehouse and i go stop stop i gotta go and get out and see this fit out <laughs> it's just like oh my god no <laughs> so when i when i'm looking at, at these photos i mean looking at the roof you can see the air conditioning plant when we're going through in the car park it looked like there was a gate and i was instinctively looking for a an automatic gate motor which is is plant and equipment um, there's something red in the in the back there, which could be a, a fire hose reel. Obviously, you can see the lighting. And when we're looking inside, you know, there's the carpets and the lighting and the fire services. You can see a little security camera in that picture. Um, there's that signage box, which is plant and equipment. Um, yeah. So as long as it's identifying a business, we can yeah. see the ducted AC in there. So these are all the things um, that my brain sort of zeroes in on on this one. Um, the you know that looks like it's a bit of uh, either floating timber or vinyl floor there. We've got the dishwasher, the zip boil units. These are all plant and equipment uh, items that we can claim. And also looking at some of the partitioning, you can actually claim deductions on demountable partitioning. So some of that would be demountable, some of it fixed. I can see the blinds there. So you, you can probably see it's a, it's a different it's a different sort of way to look at a property than an investor would because um, you're just looking at the assets and the construction um, part of it there. So um, when we did the, the due diligence on, on this, or, or at least the analysis on this, of course, we had to look at the, the plant and equipment items and we had to look at the common areas. The, the good news for this particular one is that we found that it was constructed um, in early 1988. So that means it's going to have um, depreciation deductions on the original building structure. Um, so that that's going to make a huge uh, difference because we're talking about 622 um, square metres of internal office. So we need to estimate the cost to build that as at the time that it was built in, in 1988. So not only do we have to be experts in um, construction costs today, we also have to index them back to historical points of time and then into points of the country as well. So, for example, in Melbourne, there might be a building index of 100, but in Dandenong, it's 103. So that would mean it's 3% more expensive to build there just by virtue of transport of materials and potential labour shortages and those sorts of things. Um, so in the um, from the Division 43 or the structural point of view, um, you can kind of see that it's had some updates. It's had some internal painting. Um, the kitchen obviously doesn't scream 1988 to you. It's like 2000 plus. Um, there's glass petitions. There's a fixed reception desk, which is yeah. a plant equipment item. You know, the ceiling tiles have been updated, um, the bathrooms as well. 
And in the, the common areas, we found that the car park's been resurfaced, there's new entry doors, new tiling, new painting, um, security gates um, and fencing. Um, so not only have we got the original structure as qualifying, but there's also been some improvements to the property, which will add to the deductions as well. Um, when it comes to the common property, there's also plant and equipment items in the common that this investor will own a share of. Um, I'm not sure of the exact entitlement for this one, but whatever it is, it might be one over 50, or sometimes they do weird things like 10,000 over 4,462. I just think these land surveys sometimes well, these cadastral surveys get a little bit bored. Yeah. Um, so the, the common assets, there's fire services like emergency warning, intercommunication, um, extinguishers, hose reels, those sorts of things. Um, there's an automated entry door. So, you know, there's the sensor doors that open up their plant and equipment and they're very expensive. You know, they can be three and a half to five thousand dollars for one of those. Um, lighting, um, ventilation, hot water, CCTV, um, the business signage, which we talked about as well. Um, and inside the actual property, you know, the carpets, the blinds, um, the vinyl, the lighting, again, all of the fire services, the hot water systems, the dishwasher, all the ducted AC. So these are, these all are going to, to, to make a difference from a deduction point of view. So when it comes to, to the, the full-on numbers, I mean, our estimate for the original capital work, so the, the construction of the property would be around the sort of 350 to 400K um, mark. So remember, if you're dividing that by 40, then, you know, that's going to be, what, $10,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the prior additional works, um, we're, we're seeing that there's 150 to 200K of, of spend. It might not necessarily look like that much, but when you go through and you think, this was a 1988 property. Not much of it looks like 1988, certainly internally, internally anymore. The plant and equipment items, because it's um, it's an office, there's quite a lot of plant and equipment items. I mean, even those those carpet tiles, that's a, it's, a, it's a fair amount of floor space, so it can be quite expensive. So we're seeing around about 100K worth of plant and equipment items. Um, so for this particular property, as distinct from the last one where we're sort of saying 14 to 18K, um, we'd be probably looking around the sort of 30 to 35 as a conservative um, estimate in the first full year for this property. So it, it definitely punches a little bit harder from a depreciation point of view. Wow, that, that's that's quite amazing because, um, you know, like uh, this property was bought for 1.7 mil, which is, you know, for, for most people that's probably doesn't, doesn't really matter. But, but the thing is that, you know, at the time, because it had to be an unconditional contract, we bought it during a period where, you know, we, they were COVID sensitive. So you know, they got a 7% yield in Melbourne, which is sort of unheard of. But um, on something like that, where you're, you know, you're at 1.7, they're, you know, taking across the board, say, a 3%. Um, the client's getting somewhere around, you know, $68,000, $70,000 in terms of um, positive cash flow that writes off, you know, 50% of that cash flow in terms of the depreciation. Mm. So, you know, your tax on it, you know, it could be, you know, Ten, fifteen thousand dollars you're saving on it. Yes. So you know it can be quite significant. So for most people, that's um, you know that that definitely is worth worth the um the report. So uh, yeah. I'll be definitely sending this video to that client. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch this video. 
<laughs> there you go. We've gone all the way through it and and, and broken it all down yes. for them. So you don't normally get that sort of VIP treatment. But no. certainly when, when people get in touch with me and they say I've purchased X property or they flick through an address, I mean, this is the behind the scenes of what we actually do just to assess those deductions. And I'm happy to have that conversation with anyone. But normally um, people will just get, you know, in the first full year we see X to Y as a as a range of deductions, but these are all the little components that we look at, at to get that estimate. And these are only estimates, of course. Um, to complete the full depreciation schedule, we need to go to site and we need to measure everything. We need to catalogue all of those assets, and and we'll we'll get it down to the nitty gritty. We don't issue a report with a range; it'll actually have to the dollar figure, but we're pretty confident it's going to fall in that sort of range. Yeah, well, that's um. That's really um, why we engage you, but also, you know, it's quite amazing that you do have someone that will actually go out and, and do the measurements <laughs> and work that through because um, it's definitely detailed work and you've got to have a love for it. Yes, yeah, I, I think so. And as, as weird as it seems, I, I do definitely enjoy it. It is a long way from being a fighter pilot, but um, I mean... It, close it, enough, right? Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> it's uh, it's not as good at barbecues when people sort of ask, what do you do? I'd much rather say fighter pilot than quantity surveyor because people normally say, like, what is that? <laughs> um, but, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge. And, and our job is to really maximise the deductions for the investor. And, you know, it, it's a it's a big gamble for people, um, residential or, or commercial, when they're getting into, you know, setting themselves up for retirement or the financial future that they want. It can be very uh, nerve-wracking. So our job is to just kind of look after that little part of it, to partner in them with with their goals. And, and that's always rewarding for me. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. No. And and then how long does it take for you guys to, to produce this report, like in terms of time-wise? With COVID, that makes it a little bit difficult because this, um, I mean, it depends on the state at the moment, but we can inspect vacant properties, mm. um, which sometimes is, is, is possible with commercial. But most of our inspections are organised within about a week. And then it's normally seven to 10 days um, for a report to be completed. If it's a huge commercial property, I mean, we've done, you know, properties with, with over 80, 100 million um, purchase price. Those can take a little bit longer. But most of the, yeah, most of the commercial properties that, that we, you know, we do, we're, we're turning the whole thing around within two or three weeks. Well, that, that's, that's quite an amazing timeline. And just ballpark figure for something like this for them to get a report on what would it cost them? Yeah, so like with um, with the little veterinary clinic, you'd probably be talking in the early thousands, you know, maybe 1,200 or 1,500. Uh, with Nong, it might be sort of in the 1. Um, 1.8 to, to 2.2 or 2,200 sort of mark, yeah. okay. depending on sort of the inclusions because sometimes the purchase will include some furniture or computers mm. and equipment. Mm. So that's a bit of a, um, you know, that's kind of a bit of a wiggle room in, in terms yeah. of the work that's required. But I think the most important thing is, is that if we don't see the report clearly paying for itself, then we won't recommend it. And with yeah. commercial, I mean, the return on investment for um, paying for a depreciation schedule is often absolutely massive that people yeah. actually think it's too good to believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think I'm some sort of spruker. I'm like, no, look, I don't care if you use us or somebody else. Yeah, just, yeah. just use somebody because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of deductions there. Yeah, there's a lot more than people can imagine. And most people just now realise 
they have a resi and they just think it's the same thing across. And then now, you know, the, one of the things that this video is going to highlight is that it's not going to be. Um, and so really, guys, worthwhile for you guys to reach out to Mike. Um, he's an absolute expert in what he does. And uh, he's done many reports for our clients in our community and they've been happy with it. And we've had him on multiple times. So um, <clears throat> details below. So his website details below. Um, or reach out to me at helentarrant.com and we can put you in touch with him. If you're looking for someone to help you build your commercial portfolio and to be part of that journey, reach out to me. We'll have a chat and um, we'll, um, you know, as you know, Mike is part of our process. So to our clients, make sure that we get the, not only get you the yield, but get you, you know, the best ROI. So thank you, Mike. Thank you for being Pleasure. here. Thanks for having and, me. Um, that was good fun. Yeah. And we'll, um, we'll speak to you again very shortly. Cheers. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.